Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi there, this is Jen from OOF Right in the Childhood, and today I have something very special and different for you. You know how I mentioned on Monday's episode that the Pink Elephants on Parade sequence needed its own psychological breakdown? Well, when I wrote that episode, I forgot that I actually have a psychology major of my very own right here in town. So today, I'm here with my good friend Ashley to talk about the psychological implication of Pink Elephants on Parade and other Dumbo musings. Ashley, why don't you say hi to the folks and tell them a little bit about your background? Hi, I'm Ashley. I do have a degree in psychology. Uh, my research was mostly based on PTSD and trauma responses. I'm also an avid reader and connoisseur of knowledge, but only for obscure and irrelevant topics. Well, and it's my understanding we just watched Dumbo, and that was the very first time you've ever watched Dumbo? Um, I think so. I might have watched it once when I was really little, and I do remember like going to Disneyland as a kid and stuff and going on the rides and everything, but I don't have any recollection of watching it at any point, and uh, I feel like I would probably have remembered that movie if I had seen it before. So do you, do you ever uh, remember anyone talking about the movie around you, or did you have any expectations going into it? Not from that one or from it from childhood. Uh, I am a huge Tim Burton fan, so I mean, I remember a couple years ago or last year, whenever it was, when the Dumbo uh, movie of his came out. I also haven't actually seen that one yet, but I I remember people talking about it from that. But other than that, that was really my only knowledge about Dumbo. Okay, and what did you think of the movie overall before we get into more like specific things uh, it, it was definitely good from like a cartoon disney perspective it was really really dark and sad and i uh also kind of wanted to drink like dumbo so you know <laughs> um one of the things that i i mentioned in the history part of my episode is that uh one of the critics at the time referred to this as the nicest kindest disney movie yet uh do you agree with her Um, I mean, it could be the nicest and kindest if you slept through it and didn't watch any of it, (laughs) Uh, or if you were a bully and had a bully mentality and decided that it was good to treat people like that. Uh, But I feel like those people are also the people who really liked the rest of the reindeer in Rudolph, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I I wanted to hear all of your impressions, and I'll, I'll just let you talk, and I'll ask clarifying questions as we go. All right. Um, so first, a little bit about the scene. So in the scene of the flying elephants, uh, it comes at a dark time for Dumbo, and he goes to drink out of this thing, 
that ends up being champagne um, mixed with water. And so it plays on the whole, he's kind of drunk and these are his drunken hallucinations. Um, it's kind of interesting because the idiom seeing pink elephants actually has been an idiom since about 1905 is when uh, elephants became the dominant animal within that idiom. Before this, it had been a lot of random animals and there was no real idiom about it. And then in about 1905, it became elephants. It's also kind of interesting because there is actually pink elephants in the world. A lot of albino elephants will actually appear pink, which is kind of terrifying, but really cool. (laughs) So what you're saying is like, so has it always been pink? Is it, was it like pink snakes or did it just become, it was just you saw snakes when you were drunk and then it became elephants and then it became pink elephants or how did that work or do you know? From my research, it looked like it had always been a color. So one referenced uh, like blue snakes and pink elephants. It was, I think the idea of it more was that you were hallucinating things that were different. So like a blue snake or a pink elephant or like things that you wouldn't normally see in the world. I'm also pretty sure that they didn't have the knowledge of pink elephants being real especially in places where there isn't elephants and with albino elephants being extremely, extremely rare to begin with. But it was more just that hallucination. It was the, like how children will color and they'll color animals on coloring sheets, different colors, or they'll color things weird. And it it almost has that like dreamlike hallucination kind of feel to it. That was kind of the idea behind it. Uh, And then it kind of, became pink elephants being the main one that everyone knows now and that's still said uh, about being drunk and also sometimes used for drug use and other hallucinations but definitely predominantly is about being drunk so it's kind of interesting that they could use this with the pink elephants and because Dumbo's an elephant it it fit in really well with Mm -hmm. the champagne so back to the actual scene itself the scene is really kind of weird in the context of Disney at the time and in the context of the movie itself. Uh, It is, I I don't know if you talked about this in the history of it, but it is one of the weirdest scenes that they had done pretty much until, like you were saying, Fantasia. Well, Fantasia was before this, actually. uh, Fantasia 2000, though. Oh, Fantasia 2000. I thought we were talking about 1940. Yeah. But, like, it, it was a very out there scene compared to what, scenes were in a lot of his movies it was very Mm -hmm. different it was very had that kind of hallucination Alice Wonderland kind of feel to it and it had a really it started really upbeat and stuff and then gets super dark and it it seems in the movie like it it's just kind of placed there as a space filler and weird kind of thing but when I watch it I actually think that it it almost plays a very vital role in switching the context of the movie and flipping it from what it was to what it is at the end. By doing that, they were able to show kind of how Dumbo reacted to his traumas. So the fact that he was taken away from his mom, the fact that he was bullied and everything else, he starts out really happy when he gets drunk. And we see this all the time in normal people getting drunk too. They start out really happy and everything, and then they get a little bit too drunk and they get that depression and the because alcohol is a depressant you kind of get that like dark and if you've been through trauma or you have 
trauma in your history or you're thinking about trauma or things are happening in your life right then, you get this darker view of things all of a sudden and you kind of get into that like negative headspace. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it does for Dumbo. He's really excited at the beginning. It's a lot of fun kind of being drunk on champagne and he's blowing the bubbles and everything. And then one of the bubbles blows up and explodes into this super kind of upbeat music, but dark themes of his trauma and and these kind of scarier things that are happening to him until he falls asleep and wakes up in the tree. After he wakes up, it's interesting because... The colors in the movie get a little bit brighter, which is kind of cool because it's kind of that after he's dealt with his trauma a little bit, he's accepted it, he's had that outside view of his trauma, and then he's able to move on a little bit with the help of the crows and with the help of uh, the mouse and everything to learn to fly and to be successful. and, And it really has this upturn in the movie of, He gets his mom her own car, train car. He is able to fly. He's the star of the show now. He's respected. He has all these things because he was able to deal with his trauma and he wasn't letting his trauma be a negative thing for him anymore. It wasn't holding him back like it had been at the beginning Mm -hmm. and up until about that point. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So I'm not saying that you should go and get drunk to deal with your trauma, but. Oh, that's absolutely but, what I heard. <laughs> like I, everyone, every, everyone heard that. <laughs> Uh, but having that outsider perspective of, I mean, this is almost the forties version of therapy of going in and addressing your traumas and seeing them from an outside perspective allows you to then move on and kind of not be defined by the trauma. Learn from it. Absolutely. Um, do what you can to help other people who are dealing with that trauma Some days you're still going to have a bad day and that trauma might come back, but it's the moving forward constantly and doing what you need to do to be able to kind of address the trauma that you've been through and move on from it and not let it negatively define your whole life. Because I mean, everybody's going to go through some sort of trauma of whatever scale. Something traumatic is going to happen to every single person. It's just the world. I mean we're going through all this COVID stuff right now, that's going to be a huge trauma for a lot of people. Everyone will go through things, but you kind of choose if you're going to let it define you or if you're going to move on from it and like Dumbo, kind of be successful and and get all of the things that you wanted that you couldn't necessarily do when you were mentally unhealthy or or in that more negative headspace makes a ton of sense um we talked a little bit uh you and me about how this scene was made and um and that it was just like 
I, I don't know why this scene was there either. I kind of like your idea that it's the method of flipping the script for, for Dumbo and they just didn't have a really good transition from one side to the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie's already only an hour and four minutes long and mm-hmm. the sequence itself is two minutes long. So it's very possible that they were like, you know what we need? Two minutes of weirdness. And I, I was reading up about one of the Disney animators was O'Connor. And he created a whole new method of animation for this one sequence that Disney was like, hey, save some money. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do that by creating a new ma- way to animate stuff. Cool. But I do like that idea that it's kind of the flipping of the script. I'd never really thought about the fact that, like, Dumbo gets drunk and then all of a sudden everything is fine. Um, and I think that might also be something that we might not want to teach children. Just get mm-hmm. drunk. It'll be fine. We did talk a little bit about how the water was super green and bubbly, and uh, I would like to know what kind of champagne does that. Yeah, um, it definitely is questionable to teach kids to just get drunk, but when we... Yeah, it's really interesting because, I mean, looking at PTSD research from that time period, after World War One, we kind of knew about shell shock, but didn't really take it seriously still. We only really took it seriously in in veterans. And then World War II came along, and we still didn't really know very much about it. But what we did know is that a lot, and even a lot of us looking back at our grandparents and stuff, unfortunately, is that alcohol was used a lot to deal with PTSD and to deal with the things that they saw at war or the violence and that kind of thing. And so it's not completely unrealistic that they would use alcohol with trauma because that at the time in society was how you kind of dealt with trauma like you you didn't get upset you got drunk or oh well we don't talk about that we we get drunk like that's that's why alcoholism was so rampant at the time is because there was so much underlying PTSD that we just didn't acknowledge and that was kind of how it was seen as acceptable for men to deal with their their problems it was better than a lobotomy Well, yes, I I guess if your options are lobotomy or alcohol, choose alcohol. Uh, (laughs) The other kind of interesting thing is, like you were saying with it glowing green, like we were kind of talking about is what what was actually in that? Like, why was it glowing green? Was it just kind of an artistic license or something else? Or you definitely don't think about alcohol causing hallucinations a lot of the time. Um. But at the time, absinthe was a thing. So maybe it was not actually champagne in there. Maybe the uh, the clowns and and uh, circus people had been having a little bit more fun than Disney was willing to let on with his <laughs> champagne. Um, who knows what else was in that champagne, but... Well, I mean, this was the time that you could just go get a tonic with cocaine in it. So who knows? <laughs> I mean, have you seen the cleaning schedules of housewives in the 40s? I would probably need cocaine to keep up with that, too. <laughs> I just want to posit an objection that we can't go get cocaine from the drugstore right now. Because that feels like it could be a thing that would help a lot. Right? Coca-Cola. Don't worry, Mom. I'm not taking cocaine. I promise. <laughs> Coca-Cola, please put Coke back into your Coke. A- it's N- 2020. We need it. <laughs> so, Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun, and I definitely look forward to being on future episodes and hearing uh, 
all of the other guest speakers that come on after me. Yeah, I've actually been in touch with a few different people who want to share experiences they've had with Disney animated films. Sometimes, like today, we'll talk about one specific theme, and other times we'll just talk about the difference between watching something as a child and then again as an adult. Guest episodes, when available, will drop into your feed on Thursdays after the main episode about that movie is scheduled. Make sure you don't miss a single guest episode by hitting the subscribe button on wherever you're getting your podcasts right now. You can also get updates by following me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the username OofMyChildhood. A transcript of this episode will be available on my website, and if you check my YouTube channel, you'll find captioned videos. I do my best to provide a transcript and video as soon as this episode is published, but if this one isn't available yet, check my website for updates and a link to the appropriate video. My theme music was composed and played by Sean Rudolph of Let Music Be. For more information on that studio, you can visit their website at letmusic.be or visit my website for an easy link. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you come back each week to discuss Disney through modern eyes. And while you're at it, if you're enjoying yourself, please let your friends know about me. I'd also appreciate a rating and review wherever you're listening to the show. This podcast was edited by me. I release a new regular episode every Monday through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many, many other podcatchers. So until next time, keep the magic alive.